Dot. And today is day one of their presidential summit on gender-based violence and femicide. The summit's being held in response to the hashtag Total Shutdown March by women across South Africa. Now, the issue of rape is taking center stage for many of the activists at this summit, some of whom are going to focus on individuals like Cheryl Zondi, the Timothy Omotoso rape accuser who gave defiant testimony in his trial a few weeks ago. Activists like Lisa Vetten have long been calling for an inquisitorial system rather than the adversarial system, which often causes rape survivors secondary trauma on the stand. We know the existing adversarial system allows the courts to play the part of a referee between the prosecution and the defense. So it essentially becomes a contest of wits between the parties. But an inquisitorial system would allow the court to investigate the case by listening to evidence, building up a picture of the facts to finally determine a finding. Let's speak to Justice Minister Michael Masuta about this issue. Minister, thank you so much for talking to us on Afternoon Drive today. We saw the battering that Cheryl Zondi received on the stand from a belligerent and some would say prurient Peter Doberman. Are you of the opinion that the adversarial legal system is more effective than an inquisitorial system in determining the facts of a case of this nature? Well, uh, I would imagine that uh, an inquisitorial system would give um, a presiding officer uh, would, would free uh, his or her hand to um, intervene in a manner that uh, strikes some kind of uh, a balance. But remember that um, uh, it is uh, internationally accepted that uh, the standard of proof in a criminal matter, unlike in a civil matter, is um, for the state to prove beyond reasonable doubt. And the onus is entirely on the state to meet that threshold, um, which is quite a heavy burden. Uh, on the part of the state. And um, because of that, um, that also, in a sense, in my view, further limits the uh, presiding officer's um, uh, free hand, so to speak, uh, because he cannot be seen to be interfering and entering the fray um, uh, in that sense. So uh, I think that's what uh, makes it even more difficult, um, not only for the state, but for the complainant or, or witnesses to support the state's case. Right. I mean, there, there are cases like the Cheryl Zondi case, for example, where we saw this this incredible battle of wits and, and power relations between Tepo, T- uh, Peter Doberman and Cheryl Zondi. There were cases where child rape is involved and where children, of course, lack the defenses that adults have built up to be able to, to withstand rigorous examination of any kind, not necessarily that sort of cross-examination. But wouldn't the inquisitorial system be a more appropriate one to handle these types of cases? Well, um, already uh, through the introduction of uh, special uh, federal offences courts, and we've brought out about uh, we're at number 75 now, 76 I can't recall, uh, out of the 110 targets. One of the possibilities in this court is to enable uh, witnesses who are not confident to face the accused, uh, yes, the accused, for example, to testify in camera in a separate room uh, where they're not uh, face-to-face with their case. They're not actually even in the same courtroom as the, the lawyer of their case who will be uh, uh, in, well, cross-examining. Um, in addition, when it comes to children as well as um, people with mental disabilities, uh, intermediaries that are available who act as facilitators um, in enabling 
a child or a mentally um, disabled person to testify in an environment that is conducive and in a manner that is appropriate for their circumstances. So, so Minister, you've given good examples there of uh, of how the case could have been handled. Are you saying that uh, the state prosecutors could have requested that instead of having to sit in the court courtroom and face the uh, the lawyer, uh, you know, essentially face to face and and face the accused face to face, that uh, the, the rape accusers in this particular case would have had the choice of being able to testify in camera? Yes, actually, I, I have been following in the background. Obviously, I um, have preferred not to comment on the proceedings whilst they are still current, mm-hmm. uh, because as a Minister of Justice, I, I cannot be seen to be entering the fray. In no, the no sure. I understand that. But, but, but what I mean um, is, in a case like what this... I, what I have uh, inquired is to establish whether... The witness was offered those options, and I understand she was. She was, and she opted rather to confront um, the accused um, in their eyes as, as she was testifying, because she she preferred she preferred it that way. And I must say that she came out um, quite a strong uh, a witness, despite the um, challenging uh, you know situation that. Um, she had to testify under. But, but to be fair, Minister, I mean, that wouldn't really, even if, if they were sitting in separate rooms, this wouldn't necessarily have changed the nature of Peter Doberman's uh, cross-examination or the questions he asked. So, so the question still comes back to this, and, and we know that activists, including academics, have approached the justice system. Uh, they did this a few years ago. They tried to persuade authorities to switch from an inquisitorial system in cases of sexual, or rather to an inquisitorial system in cases of sexual abuse. Do you know why that was turned down? Well, uh, what was turned down? I think I missed something. Uh, so, so academics like Lisa Vetton, for example, told us that that a proposal was put forward a few years ago for yeah. an, for sexual offences cases to be handled as inquisitorial matters rather than adversarial matters, and and uh, you know that that idea was not welcomed by government. Do you know why that was the case? Well, I I am not aware of that conversation. Um, I know that the general debate about whether we should introduce an inquisitorial system in Alaska has been a debate for for many decades. Um, and for some reason, uh, the country has um, continued um, with the current uh, system. Um, if it was brought to you now, if that proposal were brought to you now, Minister, sorry to come in there, how yeah. would you feel about it? Well, there is an institution uh, con- called the Law Review Commission, which is a statutory body headed by a judge. It is the body that is responsible for investigating any new developments uh, in the law and propose new um, legislative um, uh, approaches. So, um, if indeed, it's something that uh, we should be resuscitating. It's certainly something we can look at in terms of referring to that committee. It does a correct job, so it takes time to investigate matters uh, and that type of thing. So it's something that can be looked at uh, from that point of view. But Mr. let me indicate that yes. um, uh, that um, my, my the, the point to be made also is that the judiciary prefers uh, to set its own norms and standards on how to conduct judicial proceedings. And we as the executive are, are generally loathe 
uh, of who has the executive or even parliament to interfere with that sort of judicial discretion. And even the training of presiding officers is seen as the exclusive preserve of the judiciary itself. So, for example, we have a, 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 um, a training institute for all other uh, legal uh, offices, uh, court officers, etc., access judiciary who are trained separately uh, through SAJE, which is run by the judiciary itself. Right. So the, the judiciary generally preserves uh, its, its, its um, space when it comes to determining uh, what uh, nonsense standards should prevail in, in, in court proceedings. I just want to ask you about this. All right. I just want to ask you about this last issue, uh, Minister, because many people who witnessed Cheryl Zondi's testimony might have been so terrified by the nature of that cross-examination that they may be afraid to report sexual crimes against them, lest they be put through the same grinder. So, so is it possible perhaps to allow a situation where commercial crimes, for example, could be fought on an adversarial basis but rape cases and other such sensitive cases could be subjected to inquisitorial processes instead? Well, um, we have recorded um, uh, significant success rates um, in prosecuting, uh, especially your uh, murder cases that we were sharing, for example, this morning, that of the 28 femicides. uh, um, prosecutions since the start of this year, I think it was, uh, 27 resulted in successful uh, convictions, for example, um, which is in the order of something like 96% or so. Uh, so the system does produce positive outcomes. But at what cost uh, to, the, to the survivor, uh, Minister? Accused, accused persons under our system have the right to um, to prosecute their the, uh, the, uh, defense in a manner uh, that would maximize the, the prospect of success for themselves. And it's up to the judiciary to determine whether they have crossed the line or not. And of course, if uh, already you've noticed that uh, the defense is uh, applied for the recusal of the judge because that he's defending in the arena in the of the uh, of the complainant, uh, <clears throat> and uh, I suspect it may be something that they might want to take up uh, if they decide to appeal the uh, the decision if it goes against them. Right. So it is a very delicate situation. You need to avoid uh, matters being taken on a techni- successfully on a technicality on appeal. Um, it is an, a painful. Uh, unfortunately, exercise of having to be made to relive the audios that you'd rather, in, uh, for many people, not have to go through as a necessary uh, step towards achieving justice for right. for for the atrocities that you may have uh, uh, suffered. Yes. Unfortunately, that is the reality of uh, the justice system as well. All right, thank you very much for your insight into that story. That was Minister Michael Masuta, the Justice Minister.